Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. Find it here every week on SEM Synergy. Join your host as we learn from the elite of search engine marketing pros and find the winning formula for exceptional search engine marketing. Get the latest news, trends, and analysis in SEO, PPC, branding, SEO design, and analytics. Now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to SEM Synergy. I'm Dwayne Forster, and this is the weekly digital marketing podcast from Bruce Clay. I'm joined today by our SEO manager, Rob Ramirez, social media editor, Christy Kellogg, and our content manager, Virginia Nussie. This is the last episode of the year, and so we're doing what you do when the year is up. We're taking a moment to reflect and decide how to direct your growth. Christy, why don't you start us off today? Thanks, Dwayne. So, yeah, what you just said about, like, you know, looking back at the year, that's what we've been doing this past week on the blog. We've had a roundup of all the conferences and the live blogs that Virginia and I have written, and we've had a track each day for like one for SEO, one for PPC, and one for social media and content so we could revisit how the year played out and the biggest lessons we learned. One of the days was the SEO track. You probably know all the news if you follow SEO news. Like, you know what happened with Mobile Get In, and the Penguin update was never released. App uh, indexing, machine learning, and the algorithm. And of course, you can't avoid millennials in a conversation. It's interesting. Um, you know, we've been talking for years now that mobile is the next thing. You know, we're always in jeopardy of of continuing to say mobile is the next thing, it's what's coming, it's what's coming, and forgetting the fact that it's actually already here. And uh, mobile is here. I mean, we've seen it with uh, even the most recent updates. Engines have dedicated algorithms for this. Uh, They're rewarding mobile-centric rankings, mobile-friendly tags in mobile experiences to tell the actual searcher that this is a good experience for them to click on. You know, it's a pretty big deal, and for good reason. Um, I think it's reasonable to move in that direction. Uh, The flip side to that is a lot of businesses are still slow to get there, and that's tough for them. It is an opportunity. It is also an expense for them to move in that direction, so it's reasonable. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, it's rare that we see a client come through, come to us that, that isn't fully aware of the need uh, for them to uh, have a good mobile user experience for their for their customers, for their shoppers, whoever it is they're trying to reach. Um, you know, that, that message, I think, is has gotten out there pretty well. And uh, even if you only have a percentage of, a smaller percentage of your traffic coming from mobile devices, um, it does make sense at the end of the day to consider that experience and make sure that it's uh, the best it can be uh, for all involved, which is interesting how the, the second story here is really about app deep linking and indexing, which is kind of an evolution of that process, right? Yeah. We're, not, we're not talking about just uh, folks searching and surfing on mobile devices, but instead uh, interacting and taking the next step, which is, again, um, installing apps and uh, living in those apps Hopefully, if if, uh, if our clients, I'm sure, would have their way, um, you know, something that the adoption rate seems to be a lot larger than it used to be. People are much more willing to install an app on their phone when previously that barrier was pretty significant and something that uh, not a lot of folks would actually uh, take the dive and 
actually, you know, install and do. I have a note that I would just, I'll say real quick. We talked about the search quality rating guidelines last week. Yep. And one of the topics we didn't cover in there was that Google introduced a new type of query. Mm -hmm. So previously we've always talked about do no go, you know, mm -hmm. uh, they want to perform a transaction, they mm -hmm. want to get information, they want to navigate somewhere. Mm -hmm. Now there's a new query type which is um, device action. Mm -hmm. So Google is saying, you know, from a mobile perspective, does this page, uh, is it leading to an app, a download? Uh, mm -hmm. Is it going to open up a, another app mm -hmm. on the phone? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of information out there um, around apps. And uh, all of the engines are aware of what the app is purporting that it will do for you. And when you start trying to bridge that uh, that uh, gap around context and bring, you know, okay, what is it that the user, what is the person trying to accomplish here? Um, well, if they're looking for something specific to do with travel or with an airline, then it makes complete sense to go directly into the app experience to bring that directly along. Um, you know, we know that that will satisfy the user. It's kind of a dead end in search because once the user is in that environment, then they're in that environment. They're not using search again, uh, but it is a high moment of satisfaction. So, um, so that's that's pretty important. I do remember early in this conversation when um, when App Deep Linking came out and apps was a real topic early in the year. Uh, there were some people that were, um, you know, uh, the cry was that this was again another opportunity where Google is taking everything from you and giving you nothing, and and. You know, it's really not that, right? The engine is just trying to solve the searcher's need. And in some cases, as Rob points out, if people are more and more predisposed to go into the app experience and have that as their one source point solution for that topic, then you know the engine kind of, they have to align with that and solve for that solution. And and that's that's not a bad thing necessarily from the, from the searcher's point of view. Well, I was just going to ask, um, have you guys found yourselves personally downloading more apps? I know we've talked about that before on the show. I think I'm right at the same rate of not downloading very many. But what about you guys? Well, here's the thing. Um, I, I typically rock a Windows phone. So downloading more apps isn't necessarily what happens. <laughs> we, we don't really have access to that many more apps. Um, I will say this. The quality of the apps that I download is much better now. And I will admit that currently I am not rocking a Windows phone, so I do have access to greater instances of apps. Um, I am doing more research to look for apps that solve for specific things that I'm looking for. And I'm also doing a lot more research on how the app performs. I would much rather buy an app outright and not have interruptions in there with advertising and whatnot anytime I get a game. If it starts flipping me to advertising, I immediately uninstall it. I'm just not interested in that experience. I would rather pay $5 for the game and then just enjoy the game. I find also that it's the quality is what I'm really looking for. I'm looking for best of breed. I'm looking for things that give me everything and a little bit more. And when I'm not finding that, that becomes an issue. And and so I think what we're also seeing is, and it's, it's a nice correlation to this, and I think I just happen to have good timing on this, because I'm such a slow adopter of the technologies, that um, we're actually seeing a greater investment and increase in the quality of apps that are available for people, the data that's being ported into them, and that makes a material difference. Um, I read a couple of years ago the stat was that 
uh, 70% of the apps that you download, you will not use four weeks later. And I started thinking about it and I laughed at it. I was like, wow, that seems really high percentage. And then I went back and I looked at my phone at the time and I was like, actually, that's pretty accurate. Like I wasn't using most of the apps that I previously downloaded a month earlier and then realized I don't really need them. You know, um, funny little pro tip happens when you start turning off all the apps in the background, your battery life is amazing <laughs> in every new device. Now it's, it's staggering. So, so there is something to it. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of it. Um, people seem to like the simplicity of one app, one answer. It does this, it does this really well. I'll go in and use it for this and off I go. And, uh, there is something to that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm using apps more and more, but I think it's just because they're more available than they had been in the past. Um, I, I'm maybe it's just personal, but I rarely go outside of a property or a brand that I don't already frequent mm-hmm. when to talk about installing apps. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's something that I will add the layer into my process if I already go to a website more than once and I'm finding that the experience is a little bit clunky. They have an app that's available. Well, I've been here a couple of times, like in the last week, two weeks, whatever it is, I'm more likely to go ahead and take the dive, install the app and and see how it works. It's very rare that I find an app where I haven't visited the site or know what the brand is and engage with that app. But that could be just me. I mean, I think there are, there are people out there that are a little more uh, likely to uh, have a problem, try and go find an app to solve it type of thing. Uh, I'm much more likely to, I'm more of a creature of habit. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to find a brand or, or something out there that I'm, I'm going to frequent, uh, then I'm more likely to engage with their app if they have one available, if it's going to make my experience better. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always the, the thing, right? We talk about it all the time with our clients and websites in general. Do something remarkable, make your site usable, make it more useful. And that's obviously the key with apps. You know, you have to develop something that actually serves a purpose and is uh, makes uh, the experience better for the shopper and for you as a consumer. Mm-hmm. In your keynote from PubCon, Dwayne, yeah. you've used Starbucks as an example. Yes. And I think that that is a great example on two levels. One, they obviously looked at their market, their audience, and they said, uh, and this is something that we can all do, like, do I have a lot of users who might be able to have a better experience if I have an app? So that's like this decision. Do I need an app? Mm-hmm. And then also they created an affinity group. Yes. So they're they're creating a community experience by having an app so that, you know, brand loyalists are going to say like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I talked to Christy about how I've just started using mobile orders for mm-hmm. Starbucks so that I can cut the line and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Oh, you got to do this. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. So. And these are some of the front running things. Like it's easy to think, Oh, you know, apps have been around forever and Starbucks is around forever, but it's how they're using their new technologies and how they're integrating them to actually stay ahead of the curve of a number of things. Um, they may prove to be failure points. They may prove to just not catch on, but boy, Oh, you know, it's, it's like I I have the Amazon prime app on my phone because Anytime it occurs to me that I want to shop for something, and this goes to Rob's point, like I've been a Prime member since day one. I love the experience online. I enjoy the experience with smile.amazon.com. When I'm on my phone, if I have an idea that I want something, done. It's on its way. And that to me is, it's subversively sneaky because it's a really easy way to get more money out of my wallet every month buying stuff I don't necessarily need. But it's a massive time saver. It's a time saver that I don't have to worry about any of it. I just place my order and on I go. 
And, and that's the power of, of today's really useful apps. It's time for a break to hear from SEM Synergy and Webmaster Radio's sponsors, but stay right there for two minutes because after the break, we're going to talk about content and social media lessons from the conference live blogging of the past year. SEM Synergy will be right back. Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on webmasterradio.fm. Hi, guys. We're back. I'm Christy Kellogg, social media editor, here with Dwayne Forrester, Rob Ramirez, and Virginia Nessie. Today on the show, we've been looking back on the year and conference presentations covered on the blog. We talked about SEO before the break, and we didn't get to a couple of topics like Rank Brain and Penguin, um, and we're going to touch on that at the end, so make sure you stay with us the whole time. Right now, we're going to shift over to another digital marketing topic to look at how content marketing evolved. One of the chief takeaways that I had about content this year was that it's more important to focus on quality than quantity. And I really loved what Rand Fishkin said when he said we should make 10 times greater content. It's just like a great way to describe it. What were some of your guys' chief takeaways about content? 
This is a kind of crossover topic because I think we talk about it in SEO too, but our audience is evolving and millennials were the hot audience of the year. Totally. You talked a lot about them in your presentation. Yeah. have gone too. Uh, you know, millennials are important. Um, I'll touch on that again in a few minutes. Um, content? I mean, oh, content is content is all about nailing usefulness. It's where you nail usefulness. It's why people are looking. And and I I honestly, we're not there yet. As an internet, generally speaking, as businesses, we're not there yet. If you're not ranking where you think you should be ranking, you probably have a quality of content issue. That's what the algorithm is looking at. And it's saying it could be better. And it's, you know, you see good examples online. When, when you find a good piece of content, something that really kind of hits the mark and does it in a way that you didn't expect it to, um, it's a joy. I mean, it's, it's really amazing, right? Because it, it really does kind of, uh, and maybe it's because I'm in the digital marketing space, I, I take notice of these types of things. But the best sites that I run into, the best examples of content out there that really kind of go out of their way to uh, simplify things, make things easier, get you to the point, uh, get you the information that you're looking for or further you along the funnel towards becoming a customer if that's ultimately where we're headed um, are really incredible examples of, of what we all need to be concerned or concerning ourselves with. You know, the, the, the old methodology of, um, you know, write a page for every keyword has uh, really been dead for quite some time now. And there was this mad rush to kind of go there as, as uh, once the initial panda update came out and the farmer update right and it was this thing where oh you got thin content you know so well we're going to develop content across all of these uh, different terms and they're all related and we're going to write a page for each of them and you know that was kind of the the mandate and went out and did that and it really just made uh the experience of shopping and of of interacting with these sites just uh, a bore right um it is much better now uh, when you're able to write one page of content that really fulfills a query's intent um, and really hits all of the high points. And the search engines are starting to be able to reward that a lot better because uh, uh, they're 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 taking things like synonyms and uh, word stemming and all these things into consideration and and really rewarding what they feel is the best page uh, in the the search results. I think algorithm chasing has to be dead when it comes to content. I mean, Dwayne, you talked about how we're not there yet as an internet when it comes to our content. And it's probably because it's like on a consistent basis. Like it's really exactly. hard to consistently find a piece of content that, or a brand that publishes content that knocks it out of the park. Yeah. And, but there are a couple examples you might want to look at. Like, uh, and I learned these from Will Reynolds keynote presentation at PubCon. The high cost of free traffic. What do you really need to invest in content that's worth putting paid money behind? Mm -hmm. um, so a couple examples, like Good Eats. Like they all have like the, everything you need to know about a cut of steak and how to cook it and that kind of thing. And it comes with recipes that you can impress your friends with and it will make you feel like a better cook, that kind of content. But one example that I liked came from the days before the internet and that was the story of the Michelin chef. Did you know that the Michelin Guide to Restaurants came from the Michelin Tire Company? Yes. I had no idea, yeah. so I thought that was really cool, and I want to tell all my friends about that when topics like, oh, they're Michelin rated. Oh, well, did you know that that was all a marketing ploy mm -hmm. to get chauffeurs to drive mm -hmm. more around the country? Yeah. 
It's, and that's the thing. It's, it's not to say that there aren't bright spots of content out there. There aren't examples that we can't use. There are. There's always high watermarks. One of the biggest challenges is as soon as someone creates a high watermark and people love it and it really starts to turn the engine's attention in some way, someone comes and outdoes them. And so the, that target is always moving, you know. And, and that's why I like these things about the rating that you have internally for your content. Like, what is it doing? Why is it doing it? What is its reason for existing? You have to be very clear about these things. And if anywhere along the path it fails the test, then you start over again. Because if it fails part of that test along the way, then it's not going to come out to be the highest quality that it can be. It's, it's that simple. And if it means starting over again, start over again. Fail fast, move forward. Applies to content as well as business ideas. There was a comment on the blog post that we wrote on the search quality rating guidelines that said, well, are links still going to be important for SEO in 2016? Mm -hmm. You are thinking about it wrong. Mm -hmm. Links are the result of awesome content. Yes. Yes. And when it comes to links, you know, I'm going to bring Matt back from the zombie land that he's in with this one. Um, the reality with this was, and I remember hearing Matt say this, if you're, if you're asking about link building, you're already thinking in the wrong direction, you know, and those are incredibly true words, right? Um, it is a semantic switch in your head, but you have to make that switch. And to your point, Virginia, that's exactly right. Like if you think about the solution for the customer, for what they're trying to accomplish and you build to that end, you will automatically put into the secondary category, worrying about the algorithm, worrying about links, worrying about all those things. And if you nail it for the customer, you will see it in revenue, you will see it in whatever your key metrics are. Ultimately, the search engine will follow. The search engine is not the leader in this conversation. The customer is the leader. The search engine is a follower. So your choice is position yourself ahead of the search engine or behind the search engine. I recommend you position yourself ahead of the search engine, closer to the customer. Okay, let's talk about millennials. Oh, yeah. <laughs> millennials are awesome. I am such a fan of millennials. You know, partly because they keep me honest, because I am so uncool. And uh, that's okay. I can be that person. Um, millennials are, um, right now, we still have this moment in, in history where people are kind of, you mentioned millennials, they roll their eyes and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, they're lazy, they're unmotivated. They're not really interested. I see my resident millennial here taking issue yeah. with my words. Um, and and that's okay uh, because those are the people that you're going to be able to sidestep in business. The fact of the matter is millennials are none of those things. Millennials are highly motivated with areas that matter to them. Your job is to uncover what matters to them and then align yourself with that. And you have to do it authentically. Okay? You cannot show up and say, oh, you know what? Millennials love yoga, so we are a gas station, and we're going to start selling yoga pants, so you should come to us. Like, this is so disingenuous. It is just, it is doomed to fail, obviously. Um, however, uh, millennials are very interested in the environment, in the future. They're interested in experiences, so you need to align yourself with this. Um, example, the example I keep going back to is um, GoPro. Um, you know, d despite some of their uh, current issues that they're having with stock price and, uh, and whatnot, they are a shining example of not selling a product, but selling an experience. Uh, you never see GoPro being shown in all its little pieces. And this is the product. 
you see a shot of the GoPro, but then you see somebody jumping out of an airplane, diving over a waterfall, you know, falling from the edge of space. The idea is to sell that you can do these things too. And you can record it and then you can share that with people if you have this product. And people love that. They, they, want, they want to be able to share that. These are experiences they want. They're selling the experience, which inherently sells the product. Um, and that, that, is a, that is a clear and shining example. And I swear, it's the reason why they named the product Hero. It's because they want you to think of you being the hero in your own video of your life. And this just works very subconsciously. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of businesses, they kind of miss out on that. They don't really engage that well. They don't connect well. They're not exactly sure how to connect well. Um, there's research out there. There's information out there. Um, you probably have millennials in your office. Talk to these people, learn from them, take it seriously. These people are coming into the prime earning years of their life. They are starting to become financial people who actually can impact our commerce, impact the, the society we're in with their spending. You want them impacting that society through your business every time. Because you know what? The youth, they are our future. That was beautiful. All right. <laughs> so we have time for a lightning round of the topics that we didn't cover in the SEO in live vlogging portion of the show. Okay. Um, the penguin that never came. Rob. Not surprised that it didn't uh, launch. I think the next one is definitely going to shake things up pretty dramatically and Google wasn't going to do that to people just before the holidays. I wrote a blog article about it, shameless plug. Um, I think that we are going to a place where bad links or inorganic links are ignored and don't penalize you. Um, I think that is something that's coming. Uh, I think it eliminates negative SEO, makes the internet a better place. So I hope Google goes there. Yeah, so I pretty much agree with what Rob is saying, um, you know, because he's a smart guy and I work with him, so that's a very convenient answer for me. Um, but this also feels a little bit like um, PR driving the messaging and the timing and engineering have to take a back seat because, um, you know, these updates, when they've hit prior to the holiday season, Thanksgiving and whatnot, have dramatically affected businesses. This has a dramatic effect on stock prices. It can have an effect on Wall Street overall. It does have an effect on CEOs calling CEOs, yelling and screaming. Um, there's a lot of negative publicity that can be kind of sidestepped if you just give it a couple extra months and then roll it out. Um, this penguin is coming. There's no doubt about it. It will arrive. Um, and when it does, I, I think it's going to be a dirty little creature that's going to wreak some havoc. Um, you know, it's that that's the nature of these types of updates. All right. What about um, artificial intelligence, machine learning and the algorithm? Um, again, uh, well, I'll bring it back to Penguin. I think that Google has an opportunity to leverage their their understanding of the semantic webs and the, the relationships between sites to determine whether links are relevant or not. Right, and if a link is relevant, it passes page rank, and if it's not relevant, Google should ignore it. Um, having said that, uh, some of the revelations that came from that Rank Brain article were were pretty pretty compelling, um, and uh, 
you know, to what degree it runs in the algorithm unchecked, I don't know. Um, I just know when you hear things like, you know, 15% of the queries on a daily basis have never been performed before, and RankBrain does a really good job of, uh, and Dwayne's rolling his eyes as I'm looking over here, so I'm going to go to him in a second. But, you know, those types of, of, of statements, uh, I, they make me raise my eyebrow. I, I'm not sure what to make of it. Yeah, um, artificial intelligence applied to this, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I, I think that uh, there is a version of it. I think that there's baby steps. One thing I'm virtually certain of is if we're being told that this is happening, that it has already existed for upwards of a year and been implemented, um, because this is a pretty big step forward to say, hey, we're going to take it out of theory and we're going to put it into practice. And uh, there hasn't really been any background testing going on. Um, nobody really wants to admit to that, but, but it has to have been around for a while now. So we could very well have been seeing instances and changes where rank brain was doing work and we were all scratching our heads wondering, like, there was no update. What happened here? Why is this up? Why is that down? Why is this changing? Why does this seem to be less important or more important? And it could have been rank brain in the background, literally ghost in the machine, kind of doing its intelligent thing. Um, I'm... I'm extremely curious about the 15% of queries that have never been performed before because, you know, you start looking at things like domain names. There isn't a single domain name combination that's possible using the English language alphabet and numbers that isn't already taken. Um, you know, when we start then focusing in on things like voice search, now I might be able to believe that a lot of queries haven't happened before because now you're starting to get into a lot of differentiation whether people are plural or singular, apostrophe on a word, possessive or not, and so on, I could see these combinations coming up and, and bolstering that number. Um, but it's not like we're finding new species of animals in North America. It's not like we're finding new people that suddenly no one knew about, although there might be parts of that in the southern U.S., I don't know. Um, but, um, but it really is a... Um, it's a compelling thing. I'm really curious to, I'd love to see what those 15% of queries look like uh, because I cannot for the life of me believe that they are head queries that have any value. Yeah. And I question also, by the way, um, the, the method in which all of this was announced and the purpose of Google announcing it, right? Google keeps things so close to the vest for obvious reasons, right? Uh, generally speaking, they say something, uh, they say they pay attention to something in the algorithm. There's, you know, a million people out trying to game the system yeah. and, and influence it. So there's no motivation for them to release this type of thing. But for them to go out, come out and give so much information about their algorithm, uh, for them to do it on Forbes magazine, right? It, it is... I question, is it one of these moments where Google's like, hey, look at us, we're awesome? There could be a tie-in here, right? Because Elon Musk is going on and getting funding to create an organization that monitors artificial intelligence to protect humanity. This is a pretty sci-fi conversation, but it is actually based in reality. And it's a reality that is around the corner from us, not 20 years from now, but around the corner. And so there could be an actual tie-in where if this topic is getting all this conversation, they want to talk about rank brain in that larger context sure. with the wider population, not us. It, it really may not have, the, the desire is not to worry about SEOs and what we think and engage us and whatnot. It may be a more academic exercise for a more academic group of people sure. to involve themselves in that conversation in a way that's beneficial for them down the road. 
Nothing wrong with that at all. Right. Um, I, I just do find it highly entertaining and highly engaging to be able to look through this stuff and go, wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And hey, I see that. That makes total sense. Sure. That's the end of today's show. Actually, the last show of the year. So thank you for joining us. We hope you've subscribed to SEM Synergy through your favorite podcast app so you can get the show delivered straight to you every week. For more on our live blogging conference series, the virtual conference, go to bruceclay.com slash blog. Have a very happy holidays and a happy new year. We'll see you in 2016 next time on SEM Synergy. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.